Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that's deep, but also easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. And this is probably your last actual chance to send in questions uh, this week because we are recording the question and answer podcast next week because we're coming to the end of the year and the reading plan. This so, is episode 51, 51 of 52 and a half. Not counting, the, not counting the Q&A podcast. Yes, yeah, 52 will be a little bit longer because we'll cover the last few days in the end of the year. But all that to say, we would love to have those questions sent in to us uh, this week or uh, maybe early next, but uh, you can do that to send them in. Uh, just e- either email them at info at grove.church uh, or you can direct message our Facebook page. Uh, we would love to spend some time next week answering those questions for the final time this year. Uh, so make sure you do that. Well, and with that being said, I seriously can't believe, man, it's like we've been doing this every week. This is awesome. We're almost at the end. I think it's that's something the first like, time in my life. Oh, that's not really true. What's 52 plus 12? Is that 64? 64. All right. That's how many episodes that there will end up being. Boom. Roasting. Counting the, uh, I'm not good at math. Never claimed to be. Speaking Don't. of math, uh, this week we are in the book of Zachariah. There's, we're not actually talking about math and Zachariah, but you know, well, if you, spell out, say, if you spell out Zachariah with numbers, it's math. So yeah. All right. So <laughs> Zachariah, um, Anyway, uh, chapters one through six uh, are kind of dealing with a series of visions that Zechariah gets, um, and they're all kind of reflecting in different ways uh, the fact that God is returning to his people, um, you know, figuratively, and then in some cases, like literally with like the law and some of those different some of those different things. Um, and so I just wanted to read through one of the visions and then we can kind of just talk about it a little bit. Um, it's a little bit interesting, but it goes like this. Um, again, I lifted up my eyes. And I and, and saw and behold a flying scroll, when and he said to me, "What do you see?" I answered, "I see a flying scroll. Its length is twenty cubits and its width is ten cubits." Then he said to me, "This is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. I will send out," declares the Lord of hosts, and it shall be. That, uh, and it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name, and it shall remain in his house and consume it both in timber and stones. So it's a little bit, it's kind of an interesting uh, idea. So scroll, um, if you're wondering kind of what that is, basically it's just a rolled up piece of paper, a very long piece of paper that uh, that's how books were uh, written down, particularly at this time, uh, oftentimes papyrus. So for what that's worth, um, and I was reading about like, you know, what exactly is a cubit? How big is 20 by 10 or whatever it is. So roughly it's the size of like a billboard that you would see on the side of a highway. So that's what Zachariah is seeing. He's so when he says a, a giant scroll, he's saying literally it's a, it's a massive scroll is what is what he's looking at. Yeah. And it's kind of, um, it's an interesting idea for, really kind of the the idea of the law of God returning. And he says, um, the, the kind of the two examples of the sins that the people commit are um, everyone who steals, so theft, anything like that, and then those who swear falsely, so lying, things like that. Um, he's saying that the, with the return of God also comes the expected return of the people of Israel following the law. 
And I think it's just kind of an interesting point to bring up because um, when we've been talking through Haggai we, or Haggai, I said it right last week and Good I, job. I messed it up. We again. won't tell anybody. Haggai. Um, but <laughs> so in the book of Haggai, um, Ezra, there's been a lot of just kind of like really hopeful exhortations, which this is, which this is an ex- uh, a hopeful um, vision as well. But I think it's kind of this idea that it's not just God comes back and then the expectation is everyone just kind of keep doing what you're doing and I'm I'm your God again. This is awesome. No, the expectation is um, that you would turn your heart back towards the thing of God, uh, the, the ways of God, just like in the New Testament, you know, the expectation is not simply that Jesus comes and everything is fine. The expectation is also that, you know, repent. That's mm-hmm. you know, what John the Baptist says over and over again. And what repentance is, is turning away um, from what you're doing and turning towards relationship with God. And so Zechariah, I think, it gives us a really interesting uh, preview of that idea. Yeah. Well, and fun fact, I think I've heard people say repentance is like turning away 360 degrees, um, but it's really 180 degrees, just so you know. So if anybody ever says that, you can correct them. And so jumping into the book of Hebrews this week, we're actually going to be wrapping it up uh, this uh, this week. We're going to finish the book of Hebrews. Uh, and so there's a passage that I actually, uh, if I'm being honest with you, is pretty challenging uh, to think about, um, but I'm going to uh, read it anyways. Uh, and so uh, in a few moments, I'll read it. Oh, sorry. I dropped something. Um, Classic, he, Aaron. I know it happens. Don't judge me. We're a professional um, podcast here, folks. We are. We are absolutely <laughs> professional. I can put this on my resume now because I'm that brilliant. Um, and so uh, I'll be honest with you. I totally forgot to add the passage. And so I'm looking it up on my phone while I'm talking uh, and tried to be smooth about stalling and it didn't work. So uh, chapter 12, verses three through eight, that's the only verse I'm going to read. Uh, and it says this uh, in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, Think of all the hostility he endured from simple people. He's talking about Jesus. Uh, and then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Uh, and there's more that I could read, but actually I'm just going to stop there because I think that verse in and of itself uh, is pretty brutal to think about. Uh, the, the author of Hebrews uh, is literally um, reminding us about Christ and the sacrifice he made in this statement. Uh, and it's a challenging statement because I think it, re- it it reveals motives and it reveals perspective. And I think perspective is a, is a big thing for us. Um, another translation said it this way, that you've not resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. Um, and I feel like the, the author there puts us in our place pretty well, uh, talking about hardship, talking about trials, talking about the problems that we face. Um, the reality is we can get really caught up in our circumstances and situations that we uh, forget and neglect what Christ has done uh, and that uh, we because of Christ's sacrifice, because he shed blood for sin to cover sin, um, we don't, we, we can endure, like we can endure hardship with a better mentality. Um, and it doesn't make it necessarily hardship and trials and things like that easier. Um, but it actually helps us shift a perspective to give us purpose and meaning and peace in the midst of those things. And, uh, I just think it's important to remember, um, this challenge and this simple statement, like as I read that, um, just thinking about podcasts and thinking about different things, uh, it was pretty convicting, uh, and how easy and quick I am. And part of it, I think is American culture. Um, we, we don't understand persecution to the degree, um, that the ancient authors of scripture understood persecution or have engaged or encountered persecution. Um, but they, they didn't waver. They trusted Christ. They, he gave their, he gave his life. Therefore they were willing to suffer in, in, in alignment. Uh, and real quick, one of the things that I was reading this last week in the book of Acts, uh, was just about the early, early apostles being punished and flogged, uh, for preaching the name Jesus. 
And it says that they walked away rejoicing greatly that they were counted worthy to suffer. Um, and what a, what, a, what a paradigm to think about, what a challenge for you and I today as we think about our lives, as we think about the things we don't like, the hardship and the trials we're facing. Um, are we willing to trust Jesus enough um, that that we can have joy and understanding. So it's just, it's just a crazy paradigm. And that verse in and of itself uh, is pretty, pretty convicting for me. So you're welcome <laughs> for that conversation. Like it's just a, a convicting thought in general, just like, you know, how much do you truly trust God? Yeah. How much do you trust in his plan? Um, and I think that's a tension that we all walk uh, through most of our lives. Uh, but to continue on uh, with our readings this week, we're also going to be reading in uh, the book of First Peter. Uh, and so we're actually reading the whole book this week as well. So uh, powering through quite a few books here as we're getting ready to wrap up the year. Because it's the end of the year. we got to finish the Bible or well, it's this, weird to think oh, about. plan is a lie. I know this is weird, but uh, next week, all the books that we're covering uh, will be ending, which is the first time this ever happened. If, if that makes any sense. Wow. So I don't know. That's not, maybe that's not interesting to anyone that's else. It's life changing. These are things that pop into my head. <laughs> um, but in first Peter chapter five, verses one through 11, uh, really, I just kind of want to read this passage because it kind of stuck out to me when I was uh, looking through the book of first Peter and figuring out what we want to talk about and then kind of just go through um, a little bit point by point of what it's talking about. So first uh, Peter verse uh, chapter five, verses one through 11, it says this. So I exhort the elders among you as as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise... You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, in humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about around you like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to the, his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So it's a kind of a longer passage, but as I was, as I was reading through it, I thought there was just a, a few interesting points. Uh, that Peter brings up as he's writing, uh, as, he, as he's writing. So the first part is essentially, um, it's an exhortation to pastors, essentially. So when he says elders, the office that he's referring to there is essentially leaders, um, leaders of churches. And so he's saying the elders among you as, uh, as a fellow elder. So that's kind of what he's talking about there. Um, but the idea is it's kind of just like when you are in authority over other people, there's just a certain way that that Christ would have us act. And what mm -hmm. Peter says is it's not domineering over those in your charge, um, but being an example to the flock, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And essentially he's, he's um, the word humility isn't mentioned, but the idea truly is uh, especially there with the not domineering over those in your charge that um, as pastors, the calling is not to kind of be above everyone, but mm -hmm. the, the calling really is, to be an example, yes, um, but to also just 
lead people, I suppose, is kind of the way it is. Well, I like how it says not for shameful gain. Um, and I think sometimes that's just kind of the temptation, particularly in a culture. Um, like we live in a culture today where um, you can say it's it's getting anti-Christian a little bit, but for the most part, like it's not like uh, it's not Roman culture where you're risking your life to be the leader of a church. Um, and so there is opportunity for shameful gain. But the idea is like in not doing it um, under <coughs> compulsion or in other words, not doing it because like, oh, OK, I guess I just have to do this. But really because like it's 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 a it's a pleasure to be able to do it. It's a it's a beautiful thing. Um, moving forward, it says, and when the shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise. Uh, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, and so the idea there is essentially like just as leaders should act with humility and be examples to the people that they are, the people that they're over, um, those under authority should uh, listen, essentially, be respectful, uh, clothe yourselves in all humility toward one another. And I think it's really interesting that. And so often with the Bible, we can get into this habit where we we read a verse and we think to ourselves, oh, that's kind of cute, but we don't actually kind of just sit and, and, and really meditate on what it's talking about. And it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And it doesn't say that God um, leaves the proud or that God um, stops caring about the proud or whatever it is. It's The, the word is actively opposes mm-hmm. the proud, which I think is a really important issue. Um, but gives grace to the humble. And I think you can even see this um, in life. Like when you have people who are very proud and very stuck up, um, your first instinct when uh, they're asking for grace is definitely not to extend grace. Um, but when you know someone who is uh, who is humble, who treats you well, who's encouraging all these different things, well, then all of a sudden, like your your heart is much more inclined to those sort of things. And the, the posture of the Christian should never be proud. Um, and and, and that, I think when we're as, when we as Christians are proud, we're misunderstanding the thing that we believe in. Because if, if you truly um, wrap your head around the gospel and believe it, there is no opportunity for pride. Because the idea of the Christian is not, um, you know, like the story of the tax collector, when you know, thank God I'm not like him. Um, the idea is, you know, I am him. Mm-hmm. And thank you, God, for your grace. Um, I think Martin Luther says, um, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I think it's, uh, but for the grace of God, there go I. And the idea behind that is essentially um, um, when you're looking at people, the idea shouldn't be looking at them with condemnation, but realizing like, you know, God, if it wasn't for your grace and your redemption, I I could have been there too. And it's not this posture of saying, thank goodness I'm better. It's this posture saying like, God, thank you for your grace and your deliverance of of me. So, um, and, and the rest of it really is just kind of, reiterating on this idea of humility humble yourselves before therefore under the mighty hand of god so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you which goes back to what you were saying uh in the book of hebrews uh be sober minded be watchful you're watchful watchful uh your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood all throughout the world and after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I think um, one last thought. I guess I'm going a little bit long on this one, but uh, <sighs> sorry. Um, but, you know, the final thought here is essentially um, as Christians, keep our minds on what is to come mm-hmm. as well. And I think there's um, we we live in kind of like a, material, a materialistic culture. 
And so, and I don't mean like shopping or whatever, but I mean like, um, like what is here in material is, is mm-hmm. what we focus on. And so a lot of Christianity, when you listen to it, um, is talking about what Christ can do for me right now, which is true. So I don't want to be like, that's not important or whatever yeah. it is. But I think oftentimes what's forgotten is this idea that our, our ultimate hope is that we will be spending eternity with God. And, and I think sometimes that gets kind of lost in the messaging of if we're only focusing on what here on earth is right now, we're not focusing um, on the coming glory of Christ. And, and and I love the idea that after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And what Paul's saying there is not like you're going to have a season of a couple months that's mm-hmm. going to be really rough and then God's going to restore you. What he's inferring there is that, or uh, implying, I've been corrected on that multiple times. So Good job, I always say it the wrong way. Um, what he's implying there is essentially that the little while is your life. Your life here on earth is mm-hmm. the little while where you may experience persecution, but um, God will restore you. He is faithful to do all these things. So that's, I think, um, what stood out to me in that passage of Peter. There's a bunch of stuff that was really thrown together there. Um, and that's what, that's what I had. So there you go. Yeah. It's such a good reminder, man. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Um, we're going to read, uh, the book of Ezra. We're not finishing the book of Ezra just yet. We're only reading two chapters. Uh, but I just have a very quick highlight for us out of Ezra six verses 13 to 16. Um, in this passage, we're going to see that the work of rebuilding the temple is completed, uh, that all of Israel gets to rejoice in the completion of the work. Uh, I love that uh, Ezra um, has highlighted uh, who decreed uh, the building and the rebuilding of the temple, and it starts with the God of Israel, then it jumps into Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, um, and then it says that they celebrate. And I think it's it's such a, a, a great um, uh, final hopeful close uh, as we're kind of coming to the end of the year, like, um, what God has established, what God has said has come to a completion in this regard. And so, um, these are the verses, verses 13 to 16. It says this, then, then Tatanai, the governor of the region west of the Euphrates river, Shethar, Bozanai, and all their colleagues diligently carried out what King Darius had decreed. So the Jewish elders continued successfully with the building under the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet and Zachariah, son of Ido. They just they finished the building according to the command of God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and King Artaxerxes of Persia. Uh, even that passage, even that verse right there, is a beautiful one um, because it also ties in everything we've been talking about with Haggai and Zechariah and all these uh, different conversations that we've had up to the last few weeks. Like all of these things that has been prophesied and spoken, even in Jeremiah and Isaiah, is coming to completion, is coming to uh, the end result, which is why I love this reading, this version of reading the Old Testament, um, because in, if we were to read the Bible in the Old Testament, just chapter or book to book to book to book, we would have read Ezra, uh, Nehemiah, and Esther, and then jumped into Job, then Psalms, and Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, then Isaiah, Jeremiah. And so it would have been such a hodgepodge, confusing uh, what's actually happening. It's interesting um, that this is just a total side note, but um, when you jump from Esther to Job, which is the way it works in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, you're jumping from one of the last, chronologically, one of the last stories in the Old Testament to one of the, one of the first. Yes. Like other than creation and Babel, mm-hmm. Job is pretty. Yep. It's yeah. very true. And so it's, it's, you know, props to the guys who put the canon together, I guess. But um, so it continues on in verse 15. This house was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Um, it says, then the Israelites, including the priests, the Levites and the rest of the exiles, which is important because, again, remember, God's people were removed from their country only to be brought back. Um, celebrate the dedication of the house of God with joy. Um, 
And I just think it's important. I think it's it's a great reminder as we're reading the book of Ezra to remember all of these things that we've spent time talking about, um, that God is faithful. God works his ways and, and his will according to his plan. And you and I get to, to see and observe uh, in scripture how it comes to pass. It doesn't come to pass how you or I would have ever wanted it to be, but we can totally trust in him to be faithful to do what he says he'll do. There you go. And speaking of the book of Esther, this week we are uh, in the book of Esther. Uh, we're going to be reading through it. And so I'm going to do, this is one of the last introductions that we're going to be doing. We oh, have man. Malachi left and then I, I haven't looked ahead to next week. So we might have a couple more, but maybe, but I think we're, we're pretty we're, much hitting all the boxes. Ezra, Nehemiah, have we, we haven't read Nehemiah yet. Right. We're doing, I, this I, is, I swear we did. Cause the, this is great podcasting happening right now. It's been so much. Okay, it's fifty-one <laughs> weeks, guys. So give us some I grace. I think we still have Nehemiah to go as um, well, but maybe. don't quote me on that. I might be sounding really stupid, and people are yelling at me through idiot. their phones. You're an idiot. Anyway, so what are you new? Uh, the Book of Esther. Um, so when doing when doing some research onto it, and again, I do want to give a shout out because I feel like we don't shout out the books. Uh, shout out the books enough that I use. Um, so it's the essence of the Old Testament, a survey, um, and also the essence of the New Testament, the survey are books that I heavily rely on um, because they're just great, like overviews of kind of all the books of the Bible. Um, but kind of doing some research to that in some other ways. Um, really, the the most likely dating is essentially pretty soon after. Um, these events take place. And the reason for that is because um, if, if you know history, we kind of talked about the prophecy of Daniel, um, but the empire of Persia uh, does fall and it's conquered by uh, the Greeks. Alexander the Great um, happens there. So he's, yeah, that's he that. was a fun person to read about in history. That starts going on. Um, and so that enters into what's called the Hellenistic period. Um, and basically what that means is when um, that part of the world was really getting, um, I don't know, Greekified, I guess, for lack of a better, lack of a better phrase there. Um, but that's going on. And then when you get the, um, the Hellenistic period is where you, is where you get stories that are in the Apocrypha. Uh, you get like, um, Hanukkah, like that's where you get that story of the Maccabees. Um, and the Maccabees were some cool people. So read about them, not necessarily scripture, but, uh, <coughs> cool stuff to learn about anyway. Um, so anyways, the reason that we would date Esther to the book of Esther to pretty soon after the events is because the author of the book is very, very familiar with Persian culture, Persian history. So this is not read um, like a Jew living in the Hellenistic period who's mm -hmm. recording these things. This really does read like someone who is living in Persia, um, is very aware of everything and is recording these events pretty soon after uh, they happen. The book is anonymous in the sense of, you know, we don't know who actually wrote it um, down. So it's not like the prophetic books where it's kind of put forward, but like most of the history books, of the Old Testament. It is anonymous and it's kind of a, a recording of historical events where um, the author isn't necessarily what you were focused on, uh, especially back then. But even yeah. today, like, you know, when you're reading a history book, you're not necessarily thinking like, who wrote this? Yeah, chapter? as much as you are when you're reading, say, a novel or something like that. Um, anyway, Esther really is a story about hope and reliance in God in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds. And so um, it's also, I think... It, it's one of the most dramatic books of the Bible. I think Ruth is kind of up there too. Um, but it's one mm -hmm. of those things where like there, and, and when I say dramatic, I mean like in the sense of you could really make a movie out of, and there are movies about this, but um, not good ones. <laughs> there was one that I thought was like, I don't remember the name of it. Exactly. So I it's not it was, good enough well, to remember okay. the name of it. Therefore, it was good, good for um, a Bible movie. Boy, that's sad. Good for Christian that's work. sad to say. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but there is some really interesting, uh, there's some really interesting people. So you have characters, which is uh, a or Xerxes. Um, and he's really just this, um, 
evil king is probably a strong way to put it, but he's, he's not a, he is not a good man. He's not a godly man. Um, he's the king of Persia. You have Vashti, who I think is a really interesting character who uh, she's in the first- <laughs> Short-lived. Yeah. She's in the first uh, chapter and that's it. What was that gal's name again? That's how short of a life she yeah, lives. But essentially, and, and I guess to kind of like go over the, the overview of Esther, you know, what happens is, is the king- uh, is throwing just massive parties that are lasting for days, weeks, months. Um, he demands that his wife, uh, the Put queen, on a show. yeah, basically come and dance in front of his friends, which is just kind of a, a really scummy thing to ask. She um, refused. Yeah, and you know what? Hey, good, good for, for her. her. Uh, but uh, Xerxes, Xerxes didn't think so. We don't know whether she got killed. Or she oh, she's, she comes back in the story, doesn't she? She doesn't come back. So she is. Um, I swear her name's not. Anyways, I don't think she comes. So back. she's gone. We don't know whether yet. she's killed or she's just exiled or whatever it is. Um, she no longer exists. Knowing Xerxes, I don't think she had a great ending. But anyway, all of that aside, um, she does stand up to the king, which I think is a really admirable thing. And she stands up for herself too. So, um, but Xerxes being kind of the the scummy guy that he Puts is on a bachelorette party. Yeah, and essentially he. Um, makes himself the, ba- the bachelor on the show. Like it's kind of what he does where he yeah. just brings in like, give me the fairest ladies in the land. I need the I most shoes. Yeah. And so that's kind of what, what happens. Um, Esther is chosen unbeknownst to the King. Esther is a, uh, I believe it's unbeknownst to the King. I guess I shouldn't say that cause I don't know that definitively, but is what? If, if the King knows that Esther's Jewish. Oh, I don't think he does. Oh, okay. I just, I said that. But no, because Haman, Haman would have, yeah. it would have sparked something. Yeah, that's probably true. You're right. Anyway. So, so Esther comes in, um, Esther wins the heart of the King, um, and they get married. It becomes, she becomes the new queen. Um, you, Esther's cousin, not uncle, which is funny because I always hear uncle, but Mordecai, uh, is kind of the one that's who raised it sounds her. like an old man. That's the name Mordecai. Sound Mordecai. Like He's an uncle. It's a cool He's a granddad. Uh, but anyways, Mordecai is uh, basically Esther's father figure. Really cool guy. And Haman is uh, as as scummy as the king is. Uh, Haman is much worse. Is so a, a few hundred notches above. Yeah. So one of those things. Or I guess below. So anyways, those are uh, those are the characters. Haman's goal is to get rid of the Jews so that way he can have whatever he wants. Yeah. Basically, Haman is like a vicious anti-Semite. Like he just mm-hmm. hates the Jews because they're because the Jews. Mordecai didn't was it Mordecai didn't bow to him. Or right. in public. So he wanted to take it out on his Mordecai's people. And so just one of those things, which, yeah. Hey, you know what? Honestly, when I'm walking around the church and people don't bow to me, I also want to take it out on everyone uh, that they know and love. And as then well. I slap so, him. That's true. And he slapped me out of it. Uh, but anyways, as the story goes, um, Haman is getting really a- angry. Uh, I, f- I think it's the king can't sleep at one point, and so he has read to him the Chronicles of the Kingdom, which is just a great, a great like Xerxes. It really is. talks like, about Mordecai's protection because Mordecai yeah. prevented an assassination attempt on the king. Um, I just love that Xerxes can't sleep, and he says to his servant, "Like, read me read, more about me. Read me the history." I, dude, this guy. Xerxes really does not come across well in this book. Um, But anyway, so that happens. Mordecai's honored more, which makes Haman even more upset. And so Haman just kind of- There's some good stuff in that story, but just read it. Just read the book of Esther. Yeah, we don't need to recap the whole thing, but- uh, Esther wins. Yeah, the idea behind it is- and killed on his own little contraption. Hoisted on his own petard, you might say. Um, But- I don't know what that means. uh, I think that's where the phrase actually comes from. You lost me. Sorry. Anyway- Wow, we just totally sidetracked on that. The point I'm trying to make um, is that eventually um, it just, it looks like the Jews in Persia are going to be wiped out. Um, Esther and Mordecai fast and pray, um, and then they go before the king and they are delivered um, to this day. It's still celebrated with the Feast of Purim. Purim? I don't remember how to pronounce it. Um, But it's just a story of 
trusting in God and faithfulness. And what I think is really interesting about it is it's not a very um, spiritual story. And what I mean by that is in the sense of it's not this thing where God works a miracle, like it's all of a sudden, Bible. yeah, like all these different things, but really, and in, sounds like it, real life. Yeah. And in fact, it's a really interesting thing. It's the only book of the Bible that does not mention God, which I think is, um, it's, it's a really interesting idea. Now God is there throughout the entire book because obviously like they're not fasting and praying in the sense of like, they're just not eating and they're hoping that's going to do something. No, obviously they're praying to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real interesting idea is, um, not so much like God working a miracle, but like we see oftentimes in the Bible, what we see is that God works through people. So the king, um, scummy guy that he is, ends up delivering the people um, of Israel or the Jews living in Persia um, from essentially a gen- an attempted genocide. Like we said, uh, it doesn't work out so well for Haman. So spoiler alert on that one. Um, but it should yeah. be such an awesome, like real movie. I think, yeah. Hollywood, one, Hollywood, grab a hold of it, please. One day it'll happen. I know I think, Hollywood's listening I mean, to our the podcast. So. The story's been around for a long time. Hollywood, pick it up. But yeah, there you go. Read the book of Esther. It's an easy read in the sense that it's all narrative. So you're not going to be- story. Yeah, you're not going to be running into- But uh, it's true as well. There's a lot of poetry. So there you go. It's cute. It's a good book. It's a great book. Uh, great story. We're going to be uh, working to wrap up the book of Psalms, which is the largest book in the Bible, in case you didn't know that, which is why we hit it almost every week, if not every week, every other week for the last 51 plus two weeks. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, chapter 40 uh, is the is the Psalm that I think was pretty fitting today. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of perspective on the Psalm, it says, uh, just one of the things that I read said this, it says, the Psalm combines two parts. First, it gives thanks for the many past mercies uh, the singer has received from God, and then it presents a fresh instance of need for God's help. Uh, sounds like a lot of my life. Uh, it says both parts recognize that an individual's experience of God's mercy can to, to lead can lead to others rejoicing in God. Uh, and I just I want to highlight the, this this change and this tone um, of the psalmist. And it says, and just a verse, the first two verses of chapter forty say this. It says, "I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure." And then, as you go further into the psalm, verses thirteen to fifteen, it says this: "Lord, be pleased to rescue me." Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, aha, which is awesome. I'm going to start saying that from now on. Aha. Be appalled because of their shame. Uh, and it's just this this tone, exactly what was uh, written about the psalm is you hear this celebration and, and gratitude for God's mercies uh, in, in a previous time. And then a plea for God to show himself faithful once more. Uh, and so it's just it's just a great reminder uh, of how we perceive and how we understand God's work and God's mercies um, are not meant to be held or hoarded, but they're meant to be uh, rem- remembered and then uh, even celebrated. And because I love the statement, like the individual's experiences can uh, of God's mercy can lead to others rejoicing in God. Uh, and so this psalm does a really great job of reminding us of God's mercies, reminding us of God's faithfulness uh, in the midst of everything. And so I think it's it's a really great uh, way to end this week's podcast. So you're welcome. And almost end. Well, I shouldn't say the entire podcast. Not the will, entire podcast. We will be back next year. Spoiler, but, we're not there yet, okay? I know. Um, but yeah, with that being said, that wraps it up for another uh, episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources 
services on our website at grove.church. Um, and do us a favor, leave us a review, five stars um, if you like us. Evan, do you know what I want for Christmas? What's that? Evan? A five star review. That would be great. Boom! So we do. All I want for Christmas is a five star review. That was beautiful. We do read the reviews, uh, they mean a lot. And also, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, listen to some suggestions or whatever it is. Um, but no, and it also just, it, um, it just helps with the algorithm to get the podcast out there to more and That's more people. That's the reason why. We want grow. people to hear more about this. Yeah. Uh, especially to... if you enjoy it, we want other people to hear it. And if you give us a four star, a three star, a one star, one star, we're going to pray for you more, but five we stars help no, us. We haven't gotten a one star yet. Praise so God. Here we go. Anyway, we've talked long enough. I think this is an exceptionally long episode. So Hey, welcome to fi- week 51. Just wait, wait until, until week 52. Yeah, just wait until next week. And then the be... Q&A podcast might just, we, there, we don't even know when we'll stop talking. On that note, see you next week.